Welcome to the You Can Tell the Children podcast, a place where sharing God's word with the next generation in your circle of influence can be simple, easy, and fun. We know that intentionally teaching children about God and the relevancy of his word will be a game changer in their homes, schools, and communities. This podcast is a ministry of Bible to School, experts in engaging children with the word of God. Together, we will make sure that you can tell the children about the love of Jesus. Ready, set, let's go. Welcome back to the You Can Tell the Children podcast, a ministry of Bible to School. I'm your host, Meredith Steidler, and this is episode 129, Speaking the Truth in Love, which we know is what we're called to do. But how do we put this into action? I'm so glad Corey and Lee are discussing this topic because while kid problems may start small, they eventually do become adult-sized. So you'll learn some practical tips to help you create an action plan with the children in your life, starting with filling them with God's truth. Corey and Lee share some relatable experiences, stories, and examples that will lovingly address conflict while keeping in step with God's word. Before heading out today, be sure to check out our website at Bible2School.com. That's Bible, the number two, school.com. You'll notice a new link under the podcast page that invites you to join our podcast impact team. If you want to learn a little more about this, I've linked this in the show notes just for you. And here's a hint. Joining this team gets you a free gift and the opportunity to be featured on an upcoming episode of You Can Tell the Children. Are you ready to hear practical examples of speaking the truth in love? Let's jump over to Corey and Lee's conversation now. Well, Corey, welcome back to the You Can Tell the Children podcast. Hi, Lee. Great to have you and be together again. I love it when we get to be together, friend. As a matter of fact, I love you. I love our topic today. It's February. We're going to talk all about love. Yeah, it's definitely filled with lots of red and and love and hearts because it's fun. God gave us love and, and it's a great, great gift from God. It's a really fun time to be a kid too. Do you remember those when you were in school? Did you make mailboxes for when they would deliver Valentine's to your desk? Oh yeah. I definitely got into all that stuff because you know, the boy that I liked, he he gave me a Valentine and he gave everybody a Valentine, but I, I was all excited he gave me one. <laughs> I was shopping last night and um was looking at the variety of Valentines that are out now. And I think actually that my kids prefer the ones that are just straight candy. You know, like we had yeah. to write the paper ones out to everybody, but uh now there are all kinds of Valentines. We've really upgraded our Valentine game. Yeah, we certainly have. It's a lot more sugary, a lot more calories. <laughs> a lot more calories. But you know, today, Corey, we're not talking about Valentine's, not talking about Valentine delivery. We're talking about like real love and a really interesting topic. Yeah. I and mean, teaching our kids to speak truth and love is really important. And I've talked to moms that are like, I don't even know how to do that. So that's why I really wanted to talk about it today, Lee, with you and just kind of unpack some things that are, are kind of, they're, they're logical, but we just don't think about it. Yeah, this is a ginormous topic. And I think it's really important for our friends to know what kind of thing we're talking about right now. So there's some things that happen to our kids where they're going to need to speak up for truth in a situation. So give us some examples of that. Well, sure. Like if someone asks the kids or a, a child to see their test answers, 
they're cheating on a test or or whatever. And and you know, you don't you want to be a friend. You could say, Oh, you can look at my answers, but they know it's wrong. I know I've had friends when I was young that were like, well, hey, I'm gonna say that I'm at your house, but I'm actually going to see a fr- another friend or a boyfriend or something. So you're not only lying to their parents, you're lying to your parents, you're lying to everybody, and you just got sucked into that. And then the other one I know that's probably very common is that friend that that you love, but they treat you badly. They do stuff with you, but then they they move on and they 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 forget about you and they don't even realize it, but they do it over and over again. And it makes a, a you feel bad. They're not that great of a friend. And do you tell them? What what do you do, right? I had a, a story with my son, my youngest, and I always teach him, you know, love is patient, love is kind, but love is not a doormat, okay? I mean, he I don't want him to think that just having a friend treat you badly is is normal. So what happened was it was a it was a neighbor that just kind of put him down all the time. And I don't even think this this boy realized it. He would, I noticed that he went outside to play basketball and then he'd just all of a sudden come inside. And he did this a lot. And I found out he was outside playing basketball, but when that boy came out, he went inside right away. And so he avoided it. Well, yeah, because you don't want to be around someone that's being mean to you all the time. Right, right. But then that we got a knock on the door from the dad and the dad said, hey, we don't understand why you're doing that. And, you know, because it hurt the other boy's feelings and he noticed it. So he did have to say something. He wanted us to say it, but I said, you know, he had to say it himself. And we taught him that, you know, that rather than complain to us or, you know, gossip about that person, you need to take it right to that person because you care about them and you want them to understand that that hurt you, that you doing that over and over again hurt you. And that's love running inside and not playing basketball because he's, the other person's out there is it's not exactly love. It's avoidance. Well, I think that's so interesting because as adults, we do this all the time, especially if we're Christians. We avoid a situation where we think we might sin. You know, like we have a lot of really strong feelings about it, or we feel angry, or we feel afraid. And so we avoid it. But in reality, God calls us to do something. I mean, I'm sure Benjamin thought that he was doing the most loving thing to avoid having to, well, first of all, he's doing the thing that felt comfortable, but also he wasn't yelling back. He wasn't smarting back, but the other neighbor boy read his disengagement as unloving. And I think that's true across the board, but Corey, we know that scripture tells us that we need to speak the truth in love. Like always, I feel like you've broken this down into some steps that we can really work through with our kids that are very practical. So when our kids need to speak the truth in love, what should they do first? Well, the first thing they have to do, they have to know and recognize truth. The world is filled with something called relativism. Relativism is a big word. It's a counterfeit to truth, which it's popular now. It's your, you know, there's your truth and there's my truth. You know, that's good. What's good for you is good for you, but what's good for me is good for me. And I mean, in the dictionary, it says this is a doctrine that knowledge, truth, or morality exists in relation to culture, society, or historical context and are not absolute. So that the truth is not absolute, basically, is what relativism is saying. And what's right for you is right for you. What's right for me is right for me. But that's not true. That's not true. <laughs> There's only one truth. And I, I mean, you have an example of a compass, right? 
Oh, totally. I, I think relativism is a big word and hard to understand, but it's really, really important for us to understand. It's like having a group of students that are lost in the woods and one of them has a compass and they know that the way to get home is north. But if everybody that's with that child is saying, no, we can't possibly know north, there is no north, those kids are going to stay lost in the woods forever. But if that kid says, actually, there is north, it's right here. This is the way a compass points right now. And we will get out if we head in this direction. Well, the child is actually right. And in this context, our child who holds the word of God in their hand knows north when everybody who's around them says there is no north. The kid is actually right, even though he's in the minority. Yeah. Uh, I always say, yeah, the majority is not necessarily right. So that it does sounds like it is, but it's not necessarily. And I mean, this is kind of how relativism plays out. They say, well, it's only a child in the womb if it's convenient. Science only matters if it agrees with me. And, you know, I want to be a boy, even though I'm a girl. God made me a girl. Lying and stealing only hurts if it impacts me. Others don't matter. So those are kind of statements of relativism. If you've heard that, you know that the culture is crazy with that stuff. And one thing I realized with relativism is, you know, that, well, if it's right for you, it's right for you, it's right for me, it's right for me. That's a rationalism exercise so that you don't feel guilty that you're doing something wrong. Or it also rationalizes that you don't want to know that someone else is doing something wrong. You don't want to call it out on them. And you don't always have to call it out on them. I'm not saying that. But hey, the, the lack of belief in moral absolutes in our culture is huge. Pew Research has done a study that, that Americans admit at times they have trouble distinguishing the truth from falsehood from certain sources. For example, nearly two-thirds of 64% of adults say it is hard to tell the difference between what's true and what's not true when listening to elected officials. So we're saying today, like we have to teach our kids to discern this and to kind of nip it in the bud when they're young, this moral relativism thing early because this grows into great big adult size problems. So it may start out very small over here, but it grows into this great big thing over here. Yeah, it's huge. It's huge in our culture today. Here's the good news, Lee. You fill them with truth, God's truth, and teach from the word of God every day. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He said that in John 14, 6. And honestly, you know, I'm CEO of Bible to School, public school ministry, where we teach the Bible during the school day. Kids are seeking truth more than ever, and the world is seeking truth more than ever. I know our, our friends at Answers in Genesis, Ken Ham, said that only 3% of children have cornerstone beliefs that make a biblical worldview. That, Corey, that's sobering. It is. So our kids are really out there, like I think you said, swimming in relativism. So they're, re they're really trying to swim upstream, basically. Oh, yeah. That's the 100 kids in the woods. Only three have compasses. That's right. crazy. That's very right. staggering. Yeah, And that's yeah. a biblical worldview. So it means that the rest of them are maybe oriented on something, but it isn't on what God says is true and right and good, which is good for people. It's good for society. And that's why we have this podcast, You Can Tell the Children, because they need to hear truth consistently each day 
from all different ways because they're consistently hearing non-truths. And, and that, that compass is, like you said, true north is so, so important in their stability and their growth and healthy growth. So telling people the truth is a kind of an art form. There's a, is a skill to it. So they need to know truth. They need to recognize truth. We would celebrate when they recognize truth. Yeah. But the second thing is that they have to know what love is. So if you're going to speak truth and love, you better know what love is. So the biblical definition kind of comes, again, comes into conflict with the world definition. What a surprise. The world definition of love, it's a feeling, it's a physical attraction, it's sex, it it might be infatuation, but God defines it as himself, as serving others, as surrendering. Today, love is kind of morphed into agreeing with someone, then you love them. So, Right. Right. Doesn't that drive you crazy? Like, Yeah. Like I have to say, yes, you're right in order to be loving. And if I say, I don't think that's true, that's unloving. And that's a falsehood right there. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, That's crazy. Yeah. As much as, you know, we're good friends and we love each other, Lee. I mean, I don't always agree with everything you say and you don't always agree with everything I say. And, And that's okay. We can still love each other. So that is definitely something that is difficult. So So the question is, how do you speak truth and love? Well, I have a story that maybe some of you have heard already. Uh, It's a fable, and it's about the story of the emperor's new clothes. Now, I've talked to some younger generation people, and they're like, what is that? So we are officially older moms. If you know the story of the emperor's new clothes, then you have graduated. But our younger moms may not know this story. So tell it. Yeah, It's basically a children's book, and it is about this very prideful emperor who decides he's going to do something exciting and he's going to get new clothes. And this tailor convinced him that he had a new suit for him and it was invisible. And so he was going to put on this invisible clothes. He was in his boxer shorts. And I mean, as a kid, I thought this was hilarious. And, And everybody pretended like he had the best clothes in the world. He went out and he was waving to everybody and Everybody, oh, my, your majesty, this, this, those clothes, that new outfit is so amazing. You look so good in that. And they went on and on and on. And finally, this one little little boy w- w- said, mom, you know, they, they, he doesn't have any clothes on, you know? And, you know, the parents were like, oh, don't, don't say anything. Don't say anything. And so finally, loudly, he said, when everything got quiet, he said, but he has no clothes on. And everybody stopped. And he did the only thing that was loving. He told him the truth. He said, you don't have any clothes on. Right, right. And the other people actually, you could tell, did not do the loving thing because they did not tell him the truth and love. So that, that kind of narrows it down, doesn't it, to really nail that? Let's pause right now and take a question from one of our Bible to School kids. Why did Jesus have to die if he didn't do anything wrong? As we talk with our children about God being in control, There's no better example than Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. From the very beginning, God knew we would need a Savior, someone who could perfectly keep His law. We certainly can't. In His perfect timing, He sent Jesus, the only person who could perfectly fulfill God's law to save us. What a comfort it is to know our God had a plan for us that was perfectly followed through Jesus. If God can control the life, death, and resurrection of His Son, there's nothing He can't do. Now, the biblical definition of love is that to tell the emperor that he doesn't have clothes on. But love is doing, like you said earlier, you said love is doing what's best for the other person. 
Yeah, really. I mean, the most loving thing is to say the truth. I mean, this is a silly example, but you know, like for the loving thing to do, if I walk out of the bathroom with toilet paper on my shoe is to say, Lee, you have toilet paper on your shoe or your zipper's down or you have something in your teeth. Like it's very hard to say those things to someone. But the most loving thing you can do is tell them the truth. And that's on silly things. But it's always considering the other person and what is going to impact them greatly. And, you know, we have the best example of doing what's best for the other person in Jesus, don't we? Oh, well, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. That's the greatest of, uh, example of love is doing the uncomfortable. He, he did the unimaginable as he gave up his life. So he told us we were sinners and he said, you need a savior. And that was not comfortable. People did not like that. But a lot of people responded, which is why we're here today, because people told other people. But Paul talks about love. He says cool things about love. He says, if I have faith that I can move mountains, but I do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship and that I may boast, but I do not have love, I gain nothing. God's love is, is nothing. It's, it's not something small. It is, really needs to be involved in everything we do with a loving heart. So this really impacts how they're going to have conversations then, actually. Yes. It dictates, you know, what they're going to say and how they're going to say it. Yeah. I, Paul, again, I, I mean, the Bible is really your instruction book for life. It really is. We teach that to the kids at Bible to school. I mean, what is love, you know? And you can teach your kids this straight out of the Bible. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. There's that self-seeking part. It is not easily angered. It keeps no records of wrongs. I love that part. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. And I love the other part of that is, is the, and now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. In the context of what we're talking about, about speaking the truth and love, boy, 1 Corinthians 13 comes alive, doesn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. So how Let's do you put those things together? Yes. How do you put truth and love together so you can speak truth and love? Good question. So as you prepare the kids to address the friction of the truth versus this relativism that they're basically swimming in right now. It tends to be uncomfortable, like I said, and, but not all friction is bad. Hear me, adults out there, not all friction is bad. I mean, we have guardrails on, we lived in the, the West Coast for a while with my husband uh, in the military. And I mean, man, that, that rocky coast, I was so glad for those guardrails, but the guardrails keep you, keep you safe. But if you go against the guardrails, there's friction. Like if you're going off the wrong course. There's friction. I wanted that friction. I did not want to end up in the Pacific Ocean. So that that really is something that we got to remember. But the big thing is that avoidance is not always helpful. So like you don't want to do friction, but avoidance can hurt people. Like we just talked about with uh, my son and the neighbor. When my son Benjamin had to confront, had to talk truth and love. What do we say to him? What do we do? How do we prepare him? Right. 
Well, we prayed through this and we asked questions. So first thing we did was want to know what is the truth and why do I need to speak the truth right now? Well, he needed to speak the truth right now because the dad was asking, you know, he was kind of confronted with, well, why are you behaving this way? It's hurting my son. And then you had to think about, well, who's the right person to talk about this truth and love? Do we want to, do I step in and tell, tell the parent and the parent tell the kid to the other child? And that really, what we decided that really wasn't it, that, that Benjamin was the one that needed to speak truth and love to, to him. And they did have a relationship. They did chat, you know, do things together. So I think that level of relationship, you got to take into consideration and pray through. And then what would the consequences of this conversation be? So if he had the conversation, what would he could lose a friend? And, you know, are you willing to do that versus, you know, you're hurting him. So it's the lesser of two evils kind of thing. Are you going to lose him anyway? Cause he's hurt. You're hurting him because you're not telling him. So you might as well tell him in love. What happens if I don't have this conversation? And that would be that whole thing of, you know, he'll keep on being mean to you. He doesn't, he doesn't even know what he doesn't know. He doesn't realize that that hurts you. So, you know, Corey, one of the things that we always say at our house is inaction is action. It, mm. Not doing anything is also a choice that you're making. It is choosing to do something. So Benjamin was making a choice, even though it felt like he was avoiding it. There was going to be a consequence for that action, too. So I think that's like when we look at what happens if I don't have this conversation, helping our kids identify that there's a consequence to that as well is really helpful. Yes. It's kind of thinking it through with them, praying it through with them, asking God what the right answer is. Also, this is going to sound very basic, but is it the right timing? Is it the right place? I mean, is it, are you in a crowded room or are you, are you planning a private conversation? I mean, that matters uh, as to how they're going to receive it. Are they tired or are they, you know, are they in a rush? Uh, Just really finding the right timing in the right place and praying through that if you decide to speak truth and love. And then the last thing that, that a lot of, you know, really want to talk through your, with your child and pray through with it is, is do I have the right heart to do this? Like asking God to truly empty you out and fill you up with his countenance and his love. And I had to do that as a mother. I'd be like, well, why is he being mean to him all the time? And, you know, and he, he wasn't, he was trying to, he was being fun, trying to be funny. He thought this was a joke, you know, so he didn't understand. He was just young. And so just teaching our children to empty all those feelings out because feelings lie as well. And really filling yourself up with God's love. The fruit of the spirit comes out when love happens, when God's love happens. A love is the first fruit of the spirit listed for a reason because it activates all the rest. And so, you know, you can have the peace, the patience, the kindness, the goodness, and love is patient and love is kind. And do we have that in our hearts before we go and talk to somebody? You know, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor others. So it's not self-seeking and it's not easily angered. So if we go in with an anger, countenance of anger or, hey, I'm going to get you in trouble or, you know, it keeps no records of wrongs. It doesn't delight in evil, but it rejoices with the truth. So it always protects, it always trusts, it always hopes, it always perseveres, and it never fails. So that is the blueprint of how our hearts should be when we're coming to speak truth and love if God tells us to do it. Sometimes God tells you not to do it. It's not your place to do it. You just keep praying for them, and, and you do back off from that person 
if they're, they're hurting you, but many times they're telling you who else is going to tell them, who else is going to tell them that, you know, God loves them and I love you. And I want to tell you the truth that communicates love to me. If you tell me the truth, if you tell me I have stuff in my teeth, Lee, before I get on this podcast with a video going, I really appreciate that. And I think you, I think you love me. I think so too. First of all, I do love you. But second of all, like we, we really have this situation. It reminds me of that Pew research statistic you said about 3% having a biblical worldview. Speaking the truth in love is something our kid is going to have to learn how to do. But because the other kids are not just lost temporarily, they're lost eternally. So sharing the gospel is the most loving thing we can do. Speak in truth. And it's going to take a lot of courage to be able to do that. Yeah. But if you're teaching them with God's word and that that love is in and God is in their heart, they have the power and the courage uh, given by God. You know, be strong and courageous. Joshua, man, he gave Joshua lots of courage. I have the utmost confidence that he will do that for our children too. Okay, so I just have to review for us then. So the first thing we want to teach our kids is that they have to know and recognize the truth. And when they do, we're going to celebrate it. Then they're going to have to know what love is. So this is our biblical definition that you talked about. And the third thing is that they're going to ask those questions to prepare their heart, right? Exactly. Yeah, the heart needs to be prepared. They need to know what love is. They need to know what the truth is and why that it needs to be said. Above all, they need to have a prayer over all of this. And you as a parent need to pray through this with them. And you do this several times and it'll become habit with them. Kids will definitely grab onto this because they don't want to live in a world without truth. They love truth. So just like we do. And so this will be something very positive, even though you're leading them into a little uncomfortableness. The end of the story, my son and his and his friend played basketball together all the time. They definitely deepened their friendship by speaking the truth. That's so good. Around here, we always say it's a risk to tell the truth in either direction. It's a risk for the person who's listening and hears it and needs to make a change. It's a risk of the person that is telling the truth, but it's worth making when the Lord sets that up. So, Corey. I am so glad we talked about this around Valentine's Day. In the month of love, this just feels very loving. I love that love was all over this, but I also love that you said prayer is all over this. So, Corey, would you wrap up our time together in prayer? I'd be honored. Father, Lord, this is a tough topic because we as adults don't even know how to speak truth in love or know when to speak truth in love. And Lord, we just want to come to you to teach us how to do that first so that we can teach our children how to do it, teach our grandchildren how to do it, so that love abounds and abides, and uh, so does truth, your truth, not just any truth, but your truth, Lord, and that uh, relativism will be stomped out and left behind, and that people would have, we'd have deeper relationships that were, were founded on you and your truth. Father, I pray that for everyone who's listening And I pray that for our country, Father, that real conversation and real truth and in a loving way would honor you and and bring us all together. Lord, we love you and we thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, 
who gave the ultimate loving sacrifice for us uh, to show us what love truly is. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. I love these three practical steps to help our kids learn to speak the truth in love. So to summarize, we can help children to, first of all, know, recognize, and celebrate the truth. Second, know what love is and ask them questions to prepare their hearts. And third, above all, we get to join together in prayer, asking our Father to empty us of self and fill us with His countenance and His love. I know my tendency is to avoid conflict, so this episode is super convicting and helpful for me as a mom. How about you? Do you tend one way or the other when it comes to this topic? As always, we love hearing from our friends, so please take a moment to go to our Facebook or Instagram pages and comment on this episode. Tell us your thoughts, share some additional wisdom, and ask questions. If you haven't already, your first next step is to follow us at Bible the Number 2 School on these platforms. Also, don't miss a fun at-home resource for the month of February found on our website at Bible2School.com under the resources tab. Join us here next week for an extra special treat. Jim Daly joins us in an exclusive interview on the importance of teaching the Bible to kids. And remember, friends, you can tell the children in your life how to speak the truth in love.